I'm going to be begin reading at verse four, uh, 15. So Luke chapter 14. Let's stand in honor of God's word, please. Luke chapter 14, and I'm going to start reading in verse number 15. When you arrive there, you can say amen. Now, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all, with one accord, begin to make excuses. The first said to him, I have brought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Another said, I have brought five yoke of oxen and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. But the servant said, master, it is done as you commanded and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges, compel them to come, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste of my supper. Uh, play with me. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word today. Father, we thank you. God, that you have brought us into your heavenly kingdom, Lord. We're reminded today, Father, of who we were before you came and rescued us. And God, there's so much life in this room. There's so much joy. There's so much peace. And Father, we owe you the glory. So now, Lord, as we do every week, God, we position our hearts and our minds to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. Holy Spirit, we need you to right now to descend right now to open hearts, open minds, pour into us exactly what we need to hear in the name of Jesus. Transform us, Lord God. May after we hear this message today, we never be the same. But Lord, our attitude, it relates to harvesting souls, changing lives will be completely different after you have spoken to us afresh. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. For those of you who haven't been aware, we, have, uh, we are in the fourth part of our series entitled Push. Everybody say push. Uh, push is our theme for 2015, and push is an acronym for persevere, unify, staying focused, and harvest. So we begin this series uh, talking about the importance of persevering uh, into the thing that God has called us to do. We understand that the enemy of our souls is going to do everything he can 
to make it difficult for us to live the life that we need to live and to do the work that God has called us to do. So how many know we must persevere? Amen. Uh, the second letter in our acronym of PUSH uh, was unity. Uh, we talked about how that when we are unified with, as a people with one voice around a common goal, that there is nothing that we can accomplish. Amen. We also talked last week. We talked about staying focused. How many know that it's so easy today to be distracted? Amen. You know, so easy to be distracted. You can get so far in, involved in things and you can tend to lose your way. And so we talked about last week the importance of staying focused and, and doing the things that God has want us to do. And that being focused means that we have to be purposeful. Uh, we have to do some things and make sure that we don't miss the mark. And so today I want to talk about harvest, which is the last letter of our acronym. Everybody say harvest. Harvest time. How many of you believe that in your lives? Everything about God I've come to discover is that he is a God of fruitfulness. The Bible says in one place how Jesus gave a parable. In one of those parables, he spoke to a servant. He said, give an account for your stewardship. The Bible talks about how some will bear fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. But in any way you look at it, God expects us to grow. Everybody say grow. You have to grow personally in your walk with God. And I got to say that I've been particularly um, excited as I've seen uh, many people in this church even now and have come through this church. Nothing uh, fires me up more than to see God's people growing, learning, um, expanding, becoming bigger than they thought could ever imagine how we know we serve a God of the impossible. So I'm so grateful. And I believe that if we continue as a people to push according to the will of God, we can make this place an oasis of blessing, healing, and comfort to everybody who come here. Push, when I, this word push, push, I want, I want you to remember this because even though this is the last day of our series, I want this to reign in your heart and minds. Because you're going to have to push. Every time somebody get on your nerve, you're going to have to do what? Every time there's an obstacle that comes your way, you're going to have to do what? Every single time you have a hardship, a battle of some kind, you're going to have to what? Push. It's what we do. See, for us, push, think about it. Push is not about necessarily just making money or being famous or impressing others. How do we know that for us, push is about introducing people to a whole new way of life. Mm. Push is about reclaiming lost souls back to God. Push is about restoring order to a broken society. Push is about you and I becoming everything that God wants us to be. How many know he does have a plan for your life? But you've got to push in order to get there. Not only do we have to dream big, but how many know we have to work big? Everything as it relates to salvation, because really the clutch of everything that we are about is introducing people to the one who changed our lives. Is anybody in here whose life has been radically changed by Jesus Christ? Can I, show, can I see your hands? He is the epitome of greatness. He is the epitome of satisfaction. 
He is the epitome of righteousness. He's the epitome of peace. He is our salvation. He's everything that we need. How many know that we somehow have been tasked with the responsibility of transferring our faith so that somebody else can come in? Amen. How many know that we need to snatch? Don't just go to heaven yourself. Don't be content with that. Won't you try to grab somebody and bring them with you? Amen. We can't be content there. Every time I look in the scripture as it relates to salvation, everywhere I look, God always, he always speak of salvation in terms of uh, multiplication, uh, addition, growth. Everywhere you look, he, in other words, he said things like, whosoever will, let him come. God so loved the what? The world. How do we know that God is after the what? World. The Bible says he is not willing that anyone should perish, but that all come to a knowledge of the truth. God loves people. The kingdom of heaven, the scripture says, is like a big net that drew in fish of every kind. That means some fish ain't like you. Amen. We'll talk a little bit about that here in a moment. Book of Acts recorded that one time Peter preached so powerfully. 3,000 people got saved. When it comes to people, we can never exhaust. We can never exhaust the pursuit of those who are broken. Because how many know the harvest is huge? The harvest. The harvest is big. I've heard this said before, and I'm still in my introduction, so bear with me. I got to do this slow because I got to do this right. Um, I've heard people say to me, well, you know, numbers don't matter. You ever heard that? And, and, and some of you religious folk? Uh, you've heard people say that. Numbers don't matter. You know, all that matters is that we just, we just, we just love God. That's part of it. Big part, may I add. But how many know numbers do matter? Why? Because number represent people. And it's, I don't know about you, but I read somewhere that God loves the world. He loves people. Numbers represent people. God loves numbers so much, you've heard me say this before, that he wrote a whole book in the Bible called, called Numbers. So if numbers weren't important, then how many ever read numbers? I mean, you get exhausted trying to do all that counting. I mean... God, he accounts for everything. And every person matters. Every person matters. Listen, I have no problem with a small church. We're a small church. I love you. I think God's doing some amazing things here. Great, marvelous, excellent. The only problem I have is if we just want to stay there. Y'all not with me yet. Some of y'all are still trying to process this. See, God so loved the world. How do we know that the more people that come into the kingdom, the better? Amen. The better. Listen, I don't mind a small church, but how do we know that God called us to be a growing church? Amen. He called us to go out and reach. Everybody say reach. He called us to go out and to reach. That's what harvest is about. Harvest is about somebody breaking the dawn of a new day. Somebody who had been in the clutch of sin got pulled out 
and brought into a whole new way of life, what can make you more excited than that? The epitome of Christian maturity, get this, is reproduction. Let me say that again. The pinnacle of Christian maturity is reproduction. Discipleship is something excited about when you lead somebody to Christ. But not only that, but you spend time with them and you pour into them and then you see them become like you. They get transformed and all of a sudden the way that they were going before, they were living a life of reckless abandonment. All of a sudden they did a U-turn and now they're walking with God. They're on fire for God. They're serving God. Their life been changed. Everything around them got changed because you poured your life into somebody. I, I so desperately, I so desperately want to see this whole church filled up with people. Amen. Oh, Jesus. You know, I think about it. I know that God is a good steward. He's a steward. And he called us to be good stewards. But how many of you know that if God gives you something, he expects you to use it? You remember the 5,000? How many people, Jesus fed the 5,000? Did he say throw away the leftovers? Those of you who know the scriptures, what did he say? Gather the fragments, nothing be lost. But we want a bigger place. How many know God won't give us a bigger place until we fill this place? But people, see, people to me represent lives, their souls. And so for every person that walk through those doors, hallelujah, I praise God every Sunday when I see your beautiful face in the place. Because what it says is that you're coming to hear the word of the Lord. You're coming to Jesus in a fresh way every week. And so every person represents a person who has been transformed. So we want to reach everybody that we can reach. We want to reach. We want to be a growing church. We want to be a church that harvests. I'm believing God for this year to be the biggest harvest in the, that this church have ever experienced. Amen. I mean, a harvest of souls. Don't worry, but your bills will get paid, I promise you. God will put food on your table. Some of you worry about how much. Don't you worry about that. Seek first the what? Kingdom. He's all at all these things. Don't worry about that. Worry about his kingdom. God will fix all the other stuff. God said, I'll take care of you. I know what you need. You're good. Just be about my work in the earth. I love people. How I many of you love people? We are in the people business. And every person is valuable to God. And if every person is valuable to God, how I many know they must be valuable to us? Look at Matthew. Uh, actually, actually, before we do that, let, let me just give you a, a couple of reasons why the church must focus on growth. And not just this church, but every church. These, some of these statistics are going to shock some of you, but I want you to hear it. I want you to write it down. It's a church researcher, and his name is David Olson. He's a church planter and church research, a researcher. And all he does is gather research about church. This is, just, this is pure data. This is what he do. Why focus on church growth? Well, number one, I said this a moment ago, numbers equal People. Go, therefore, and make disciples, Jesus said, of all the nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. If we are obedient to that great commission, how many know we must be concerned about numerical growth? Amen. Number two, there are a large number of people who need to believe in Christ and connect with this church. Listen to this. Mr. Olson's report says this. Only 18.7 of people in the U.S., 18.7% of people in the U.S. attended an Orthodox Christian church on any given weekend. This was in year 2000. That means, watch this, 81% of our population is outside of the discipling network. Have me know that if we, are, if we are not concerned about numerical growth, we are neglecting the 81% of folks who need salvation in Jesus. Another reason, church attendance will continue to decline if we don't focus on growth. Church attendance will drop. Here's what, he, here's what his research found. Church attendance will drop to 17.1% in 2010, 15.6% in 2020, and 11.7% in 2050. In other words, church attendance is starting to what? Decline. This is why, how many know that every church, every church, every church, I'm talking about the real church of Jesus Christ that is in a community is a representation of Christ and light and darkness. Are you hearing me? Amen. So how many know God's church need to be thriving and God's church need to be strong? Are you hearing me? We need to be getting people into the kingdom of God by your witness and by your lifestyle. Are you hearing me this morning? Small churches, another reason he says, is that small churches are declining. Listen, most churches, this is what the data says, the research says, that most churches with an average attendance of 50 to 299 are declining. This is what the facts say. This equates, though, to about 85% of churches in the U.S. How many know we have our work cut out for us? We have our work cut out for us. We're going to reap the harvest. The harvest is there. How many know the harvest is there? Let's, let's look, at, look at Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38. I want you to get there real quick. Matthew chapter number 9, verse 36 through 38. Amen. But when he saw the multitudes, speaking of Jesus, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary. Everybody say weary. And scattered, everybody say scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the, listen to this, listen to this people, don't let this escape you. The harvest is truly plentiful. Get it into your souls. But the laborers are what? Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. How many know that as it was in Jesus' day, so it is today? How many know that there are people that are still scattered today? How many know there are people, especially young people, walking around, they are lost. They have no sense of direction. They have no purpose. Open your eyes. There are people scattered around. I mean, they're all over the place. They're trying to find some direction of what life, what this whole thing is all about. How many know they're out there today? How many know that people are weary today, just like in Jesus' day? 
People are weary. People are tired. People are struggling. People are having difficult times. How many know they're tired? They're weary. There's violence all around. There's crime all around. There's war all around. There's immorality all around. People are just tired. Here's why I say that. This represents the harvest. This is what harvest time is all about. But Jesus said this. The harvest is plentiful. There's a whole lot of people. Open your eyes. There are a whole lot of people around you that are ripe for coming into the kingdom. But how many know that we need to be about our father's business? Watch this. Interesting, Jesus said this. He said this. He says, but the laborers are few. I was trying to figure that one out. And I discovered that Jesus could have meant one or two things. And probably two of these things I'm about to say. Number one, Jesus, I believe, was saying that there are more harvest, there's more of a harvest than there are people to reach them. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are lost. The harvest is plentiful. Harvest is plentiful. Harvest is plentiful. Secondly, I believe, Jesus could have been saying that there are laborers who are not willing to put forth the effort needed to win the loss. In other words, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers, in other words, I need committed laborers who are willing to get down and do the messy work of bringing in a harvest. How many know that it's messy at times? How many know people can be messy? But that's okay. Look at the neighbor and say, you were called for this. Yeah, you were called for this. So understand that. So he says here that the laborers are few. In all of my years of walking with the Lord, and, and I say this, and I've been walking with the Lord almost 25 years, and I've seen that in almost every setting that I've been in in my life, there seemed like there's a small percentage of laborers in, in Christianity that do the bulk of the work. How many know that if every Christian got serious about evangelism, I mean, I mean, got like, like crazy serious. Like every day you wake up, you're looking. That this is something that moves you. It motivates you. How I many know that we can have even more of a difference? We can reach more for Jesus. Ask yourself the question. This is not for you to answer. When's the last time you personally took somebody by the hand and led them to Jesus? When was the last time you grabbed hold of somebody and said, let me pray with you? When is the last time you've done that? And then ask yourself some questions. How many know that if we're Christians, we got to be serious now? You got to talk. You got to be honest about where we are. But Jesus, Jesus didn't say pray for the harvest. He said pray to the Lord of harvest that he sent what? Laborers. God is saying, I need laborers. Pray for us that we will be focused enough to see. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you will open our eyes, every one of our eyes, that we will be able to see the harvest that is around us. This leads us to our parable of the Great Supper. It's a wonderful parable. Let me kind of tell you what the intent of the parable was as I read it. Number one, 
The parable gives a picture of the future of God's kingdom, what it looks like and who will be there. How many know God has prepared a place for those who love him? He's prepared a place. There's coming a time when we're all going to join together with Jesus in that great wedding feast, and we're going to be at his presence, and we're going to celebrate his glory together. I, I pray that every one of you will be there. The great feast we're celebrating with our king. This parable also illustrates the intensity and commitment we must show in reaching people for the kingdom. This is a now parable. Look at the neighbor and say, now. And this parable also shows that God will overcome rejection by seeking those who would come to him. How many know that the Jewish people that Jesus was talking to that day, some of the leaders, they would not receive him? And so you know what Jesus did? Jesus said, well, I'm going to go somewhere else to somebody who will. This parable is a, par a powerful parable. It is packed with so much truth. And how many know that every time Jesus gave a parable, sometimes he was teaching three, four, five lessons in one parable? Because that's how awesome he is. So the first thing is that we see here that in verse number 16, it says this. Look at this in verse 16 of Luke chapter 14. Then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many. Everybody say many. many. How many know that you don't prepare a banquet? How many of you have ever prepared a banquet and not invited, invited somebody? How many of you have ever, well, I won't say that. I was going to say how many of you have ever cooked and not invite nobody. Everybody do that. But, but no, when you, when you prepare some big function, when you do something really, really, uh, go out of your way, you prepare, you always tend to do what? Invite. You want to invite. I never understood how was it in the Christian church. And how many know that, uh, that, that we, ought, we ought to always be inviting somebody to Jesus? How many know that, that God has prepared a place? And we need to invite. You remember the story of John chapter 4, the woman at the well, the Samaritan encounter? When this woman was, was there and Jesus kind of encountered her and told her all the stuff, all her sin. And, and the Bible said that after she got a revelation of who Jesus was, the Bible said that that woman went out and she told the whole city. Come, come, see a man who told me everything I ever, you need to get this. I don't get the feeling that she was worried about whether or not the people were going to reject her. She was like, you know what? I'm going to go tell it. Look at your neighbor and say, tell it. <laughs> See, how many know that Jesus said that upon this rock, I will build my church? How many know the church belongs to who? Jesus Christ. He's the one that built the church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So watch this. Every time you invite somebody to church, you are, in, in essence, you are inviting them to Jesus. Why? Because let me know that Jesus is preached here. I can say that with authority. Jesus is preached here. And he is the one that establishes church. So how many know that we need to be about the business just like this servant did? We need to go out. We need to invite many. I don't care how you do it, but you need to invite. Look at the name and say invite. You got to invite them. Number two, look at, this, look at this point. They all in one accord, verse number 18, but they with one accord <laughs> began to make excuses. Mm. They first said to him, I have brought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excuse. Verse 19, let us say I brought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. 
I ask you to have me excused. Still another, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Uh, is anybody here who ever purchased land and you never saw it, you just bought it? Usually when you're going to purchase land, right, you do what first? You look at it. You go research. Or you have somebody lay eyes on it, right? Oh, this guy says, oh, I bought a yoke of oxen. And I go, I got to go check it out. How many of you would go buy a brand new car and never, ever test it out? Oh, one guy, oh, I got to get married. You know, in the old Jewish law, and he says, I, got, I just married my wife. In old Jewish law, you couldn't, you know, you, 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 the, you weren't allowed to go out to war and do all that stuff. You're pretty much giving a reprieve to take it easy and enjoy your wife. In other words, there was no reason why, no real reason why they rejected such requests. But you must understand that rejection should not be a precursor for you to stop pressing on. Just because somebody rejects you, how many of you, are, how many of you are afraid of rejection? How many, of you fear, how many of you don't share your faith because you fear rejection? Come on, be honest. You, you won't say it, but some of you do. You fear rejection. You don't want, first of all, you don't want to be isolated. And you don't want nobody to, to turn you down. So what you tend to do is you just kind of wait until you might have an opportunity. Might, one might sneak up on you. But it's something about that you must understand and I must understand that people are going to reject them. People are not, there are people out there, but let me tell you something, for everybody rejects them, there's somebody out there that will receive them. And since you don't know who it is, you need to always open your mouth, listen, every opportunity you get. Why? Because souls are at stake. So I got to do it. How many know that this motivates and pleases the heart of God? So you got to do it. You got to be persistent. But look at, uh, look at this. Look at verse number 21. So that servant, and watch this. So he went out and he invited. Everybody made it, had excuses. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. And the master of that house being angry said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets, lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the what? And the blind. How many know that naturally we only try to reach sometimes those people that we are comfortable with? If we're honest, we want people that's like us. We want people that's educated like us. And to some extent, we want them to look just like us. But Jesus said, he says, look, I need you to go to the highways. In other words, take a trip down 95. Maybe you've just been staying too close to 610. Maybe take a trip down to Fredericksburg. Maybe take a trip in some pathways that you haven't thought about. And he said, bring in, watch this, the poor, the maim. Oh, y'all don't like this either. I'm going to preach it anyway. The poor, the maim, the lame, and the blind. He said, bring them all in. Broke down, busted, and disgusted. He said, go get them. So to the rich person who don't want to receive, that's okay. I'll go to somewhere else. And to the poor person who don't want to receive, I'll go to somewhere. Whatever I got to do, watch this. He says, go into places where, listen, go into some uncomfortable places. 
How many know that if we're going to bring in the harvest, like what we've been talking about all day, how many know it requires sometimes stepping into some uncomfortable places? Going to get the people that nobody else wants. Why did God, why does God say that? You know why? Because every soul matters to God. If they have breath, I hate it when I hear people say that person is trash. Nobody is trash. You made it in the image of God. You are, listen to me, you, you are valuable. God didn't make no trash. We might act trashy, <laughs> but God didn't make no trash. We are made in the image of God. So everybody that got, <laughs> even if they're on their last leg, they are valuable to God. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you smell like. Jesus said, you go out there and get them. In anger, he said. Touch his servant. He said, they wouldn't come? Then why are you sitting there? What are you going to do? Sit back and pout? You're going to keep your mouth? Go back. Try another route. Go a different route. Don't go the same way. Take a different path to work. Maybe go to a different store. You go to the same. You're too predictable. I will never shop at shoppers. I will never shop, shop at shoppers every now and then. Do something different. Don't live inside the box. Step outside the box. The reason why we're not as effective in bringing in the harvest because we think too much inside of the box. Get outside of the box. You serve an unorthodox God. God always throw you a couple of curveballs or two. I find a lot of times if you want to look for God, to look for him in the uncommon places. Oftentimes that's where you'll find him. Oh, I'm preaching better than you let know right now. Uh. So the master, look at this. So the master, look at verse 23. So the master was persistent. The master said to him, watch this. Well, look at verse 22. And the servant said, watch this. Master, it is done as you commanded. Jesus giving us some insight into his thinking. And, and there is still room. So you would think the master would have said, well, we got somebody, we got some, okay, that's good. We just work with that we got. No, you know, that's good. You would think the servant would think, oh, God, God, it's still room, but I found some. And what did the master say? Then the master said, look here, go into the highways. Go and look in the hedges. Go where they're hiding at. <laughs> the hedges, like, kind of. <laughs> Go in the hedges. Where you at? <laughs> go into the highway. Go into the hedges. Go into the lane of the city. Go wherever you got to go. They are there. If you want your world to be a better place, then you got to introduce them to Christ, period. If you want your streets to be better, you got to be better. You want your community to be better? You got to be better. If you believe Jesus is really the hope of the world, why are you holding on to him? Don't hold on to him. Preach it. Give it out. I mean, no, he loves us. He loves the people that we're around every day. So the master was persistent. He was persistent. He said to him, I want you to not be content. How many know that when it comes to soul winning, nobody should ever be content? 
when it comes to broken people, nobody should ever be content. There are people around you today that are contemplating suicide. I'm telling you right now. I, 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 you know, I, live in, I, I, I work a job at my other job that, that, that I see this all the time. People are hurting. Oh, it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing how many people are broken and hurting right around you. All we need to do is be willing to step out. We can't ever be comfortable. You know what? This is one seat too many that is empty in the house. Amen. The chair represents a person. Look at these rows right here. If you love Jesus like you say, and I'm going to take your word for it, we need to go and fill his house. Look, in fact, is that what you said? I'm sorry. Isn't that what you said? Look at this. I don't want to. He says, watch this. He says, go look at verse 20, 23. Then the master said to his servant, go out into the highway hedges and compel them to come in. How many know compel means you got to persuade? You got to talk. You got to do. You got to compel them. Compel them to come in that my house may be what? Filled. I want God's house filled with salvation. I want God's house filled with people who are on fire for Jesus. I want God's house filled with new converts. I want God's house filled with those who love Jesus with all of their hearts, soul, and might. How many believe that Jesus wants his house filled? I won't stop until I said before last year, and I will keep preaching it, until I die, until we get relocated, whatever the case might be. But I said this before, I want you to see this picture again. I'm believing God, not for any selfish reason, not for money, not for fame, but for him. Everybody say Jesus. My job and your job is to somehow preach me up here. Because God has given us all this space. I mean, look how much space we got. Think about the amount of people that we can bring in to Christ. Think about the lives of people that we can touch. Think about, I mean, and some of you don't know this, but I'm going to there's about 140,000 people in Stafford County. Just Stafford County alone, about 140,000. How many know that God wants us to reach a little bit more than 50? Are, are, are you hearing me? I love you. You look great. But how I many know there's more work to do? He gave us this space because he said, I want you to fill my house with converse, fill it with souls, and we will never be content with the status quo. Never. We'll never be content until Jesus comes back. Why? Because we love people too much. And I don't apologize for loving people. I don't apologize for wanting to see people get saved. I don't apologize for saying, I want the whole church filled with people. Why? Because I know, I know they're valuable to God. You're valuable to God. You're sitting in that chair because you're valuable. Somebody else needs to get what you got. So we're believing God for the harvest. Look at this in, in closing, Acts chapter 2. I'm actually finishing early today, aren't I? Somebody said, uh-uh, that wasn't nice. Uh, pastoral, I'm going to get you. All right. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 47. Just look at this, verse 47. It says, the Lord added to the church daily. Everybody say daily. Go to, Acts 40, go to Acts 40, Acts chapter 2, verse 47. I just want that verse. Can you get that one for me? Look at that. And praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I'm not here to put any number on how many we're supposed to have. I just believe that we're supposed to grow. I believe we're supposed to grow. I tell you, every time I see a new face in the place, I get excited. Do you get excited? Amen. Every time we see a new place, we don't look, we want to go beyond just being a friendly church. We want to make friends. Amen. Look at this. Why was why did the Lord add to the church very quickly? Let me tell you why the Lord added to the church. Because they were concerned about numbers. The Bible says that 3,000 souls got saved. So somebody had to record that, right? <laughs> somebody had to write that down. 3,000 souls got saved. They were devoted to discipleship. They obeyed the word of God. They obeyed and they prayed. They worked together. They worked together. Everybody said together. Together. They came to the temple together. They came to the temple. In other words, they came to church. And, you know, and they shared everything. And the Bible said the Lord added to the church daily. Now, you look at that verse. Can you put that verse back up for a second? 47. You got it? Yeah, there it is. Praise God, having faith with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. If you're not careful, you'll read that and think that God just kind of, just kind of out of nowhere, just added. How many know that when you go out and you preach the gospel to somebody, and they get saved. Who added to the church? God did. Whether somebody walk in these doors and they just show up because they hear about us and they get saved, who saved them? God did. The Lord added to the church. It doesn't mean that the people just sit there, they just fellowship and stay huddled together. How many know that when the disciples, when the disciples, when the disciples were left with the ministry, that they went out like wild people sharing preaching, proclaiming, everywhere that they went. So watch this. Because the church was so committed and the atmosphere was ripe. Everybody say ripe. Right. See, when the atmosphere is right, when the church love each other, when the church serve one another, when, when, let me tell you something. What happens is we get out there and we start telling people to come. How many know that they'll be a little bit more compelled to come when they see love like that? Doesn't mean that they just kind of stayed and held hand and sang kumbaya with each other. What it simply means is that they went out and they did what they were taught, they shared, they preached, and the Lord added. The Lord added because they were faithful to do what was required of them. And God added. I mean, know that if we function like that, God would add to us. And we will reap a harvest. And you know who would benefit from the harvest? Obviously, the kingdom, but we benefit because we get to share in each other's joy. And one day you get to get before your Lord and he asks you what you did for him. You have something to throw at his feet. Lord, I went, I preached, I shared, I worked, I served. God bless you for your service. God bless you for what you do in this church. Understand 
that you're doing it for a higher purpose. Harvest is bigger than you getting your mortgage paid, getting food put on your table. I mean, all those things are important. And you should believe God. You should push and you should strive to get better. You should strive to provide for your family and all that. And God will provide. How many of you discovered that God just keep on providing for you? Some of you have been in some real tough places, but God has always made a way. Come on, be honest. Some of your relationships are all jacked up, but somehow you're still walking. I mean, somehow you still, I mean, there have been, been trouble in your life. There have been problems. There have been I mean, and they keep on being problems, but God just keep on making. And some way you still, you're still breathing. You're still walking. There. God takes care of his kids. All he's saying is, take care of what's mine. Amen. You want to get excited? Preach to somebody. Well, I'm not a preacher, Pastor. Then, does it sound better? Talk to them then. Don't preach, just talk. Let me tell you about a man that can change your life because he changed mine. Let's work to make sure that we get as many people into the kingdom that we possibly can. I mean, and don't you be deterred by foolishness. You get serious about this, and great things will happen. Power of God will be immense over our lives because God takes care of his kids, especially when they work for him. Every eye, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord. Father, we thank you this morning. God, I believe that it's harvest time in the life of our church. God, there are people who have come here, Lord, and whose lives have been helped. There have been people who have been encouraged. God, in a very fresh way, we commit ourselves to evangelism like we've never had before. I want to do something a little different this morning. I want, I want uh, everyone to come up to the altar. I want to do this. If, if you will, just come on up. And I want to say, I want us to pray together to God as we close this series out. I just want us to come together. And as you come, let's grab a hand beside you when you come to the altar. And I want you to pray with me. Look at you. You look, you look beautiful. Hallelujah. I'm going to say a prayer, and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for some of you that are struggling right now. I'm going to pray that God will release you so that you can be more focused and more determined than ever before. Because some of us are being distracted by the problems and the affairs of this life. So I'm going to say a prayer for you. And then right after that, we're going to just believe God together for a greater harvest, a greater season in the life of our church. I want you to pray with me in the spirit as I pray and I ask God to, to help us. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, you know the predicament of every person that is in this room. 
Father God, their hearts are right and their hearts are good. But Lord, sometimes, Lord God, the, the, the issues that they are confronted with, God, makes it hard for them to focus. It makes them hard for them, Lord. But I am praying, oh God, that according to your word, you said that if we seek first the kingdom, God, you said you would add all these things to us. God, that's what you said. And so, Father God, in the name of Jesus, we recommit ourselves in a very fresh way, God, to seek first the kingdom. And God, I pray that the needs of your people will be met. Lord, anyone here that is on the brink of giving up, on the brink of quitting, God, I pray that, Lord, that you will help push them to the next level, oh God. Push them into their destiny. Push them through the storm. Push them through the trials, oh God. Lord God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will show up, Lord God, for the glory of your Son. Help your people, oh God. Help your people so that, God, that they can run faster and further for you. God, I come against, Lord God, everything, every trick, every scheme of the enemy to disrupt what you're doing in the lives and hearts of your people. I pray, God, for our children, God. I pray that our children, God, that you will save them, God. And that, God, that they would walk with you. We don't know how. We don't know when. But, God, we believe that you are true to your word. Protect our children. Raise them up, oh God. We're not relinquishing any territory to the enemy as it relates to our children. Not any, not any. Jesus, you said that this salvation is not just for us, but you said it's for our whole household. God, we lay hold of that word today. God, we lay hold of it today. We're not going to let it go, God. We're not going to let you go. God, if we have to be like, like Abraham or like Jacob, God, we got to wrestle with it. We're going to wrestle until you bless us, oh God. We're going to wrestle, God, because we believe your word. God, we believe your word. God, I pray, I pray earnestly, earnestly, God, that you would help your people and free them up. We sung the song Freedom this morning. God, who the Son sets free is free indeed. Free your people to serve you and love you with all of their hearts, with no distractions, oh God. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that God, that you would release an outpouring of a great harvest. Not only, Lord God, will there be harvest in our personal lives. I pray that every person will be fruitful. I pray, God, that if you need to give some folks some promotions, Lord, set them, God, whatever you need to do, set them into a wealthy place so that they can maximize the opportunities that you give us. Some are struggling here financially, Lord, don't know how they're going to make it. But God, you're Jehovah Jireh. You're the Lord, our provider. God, we're pushing into our destiny. We're going to push. We're going to push, God, because power comes from you. Empower your people. Push them to the next level in the name of Jesus. And God, I thank you, Lord. You called us to be a people that are growing. Growing in our walk with you, growing in our love for you, Father, and growing in our love for one another. And yes, Lord, even a broken world. God, it is our desire that this place be filled with new converts. 
God, the more the better. You died, Lord, that we might go out into the world. And Foundation Church, Lord, we are your church. We are your people, Lord. We are your people. We are here doing your work. All we ask for, God, is that you would help us, Lord God, to lay hold of the harvest that you have before us. Help us to seize our moment. Help us to seize our opportunity not to let one moment pass. God, we do it for love. We do it for love. We do it for love. And God, if our heart is anything else, God, reveal that to us. Saints, repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your provision. I thank you for grace. I thank you for breakthrough, for harvest. This is harvest time. I receive every aspect, every corner of my life will be blessed because you are blessing me. Lord Jesus, Pour out your power. Pour out your grace. Increase us. We pray for increase. 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 In the name of Jesus. Father, we receive it and we thank you for it. And all God's people said amen. Come on, give Jesus a loud praise back. Amen. We never close the service. We never close the service. We never close the service without giving somebody an opportunity to give their life to Jesus. The Bible says it's the point under man wants to die. If everybody can remain standing for a moment, nobody moving, please. The Bible says that the point under man wants to die, and after death comes judgment. If you're here today and you never gave your life to Jesus Christ, I beg you, I implore you today, come and receive his love. Come and receive his love. Is there one, is there anyone in here today say, Pastor, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. I'm ready to go all the way. I'm ready to give my life. I'm, I'm, I've been holding back. I'm ready. I've tried it on my own. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there one today who would say, I want to give my life to Christ today? Maybe somebody needs to be rededicated. Maybe you were with the Lord, but then you just went back into your own ways of life. And the day you want to get it right today, there's a one who said, maybe you backslid, whatever the case might be. There's a one. There's healing today. Jesus loves you. Amen. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Come on, give Jesus another praise. For right before we close, uh, I want you to take, uh, for those who are members and our regular attendees, you know who you are. Um, we're going to have our business meeting, so we're going to take about uh, 15 minutes. Um, I just messed my watch up. I got one of these fancy watches, and I just messed it up. So we're going to take about 15 minutes, and, and then uh, we're going to come back here, and we're going to have our business meeting. So get yourself something to eat. Uh, you know, go use the restroom, and then I want you to write back here. Uh, if, uh, if I think the, it's a setup team can just kind of hold off a little bit on uh, some of the things that we would need to have, like some chairs. Uh, you know, maybe some you can take up. We do need the sound system, so just go ahead and keep that. Uh, but uh, outside of that, we're going to take about 15 minutes. So let me, let me dismiss us, and, um, and then we'll, we'll be back in about 15 minutes. Amen?